Hi, I'm Pastor Bill Singh. I'm here with my wife, Melissa. Today's message is faith heritage. And so we're going to be talking about how we pass our faith from one generation to the next. Today's a great message because Bill teaches how we can raise our children for the Lord, and not only our own children, but children in the faith. Third John, verse 4, says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. So we're going to be talking about raising up spiritual children today, as well as your own children. Again, the name of the message is Faith Heritage, so enjoy. It's called The Curse. And no for a change, I'm not talking about something out of the book of Genesis. Nonetheless, this curse is definitely real. It's as real as daylight. It's as undeniable as the first and second laws of thermodynamics. When you hear parents yelling at their children in the grocery store, that's the curse. When you see parents chasing their children around church trying to get them to sit down, <laughs> that's the curse again. When children are throwing their food across the table at a nice restaurant, <laughs> you better believe that's the curse. What curse are we talking about here? What happens on that day when your par parents look at you and say, one day you are going to have a child that is exactly like you? It never misses its mark. We are starting 2 Timothy. The topic is, what would Paul tell you? This is one of the most passionate letters in the entire Bible. The setting is that Paul is in Rome, he is a prisoner, and he is preparing to be executed. Think about it. This letter was written by somebody who was on death row. His intention was to impart some final thoughts to his pupil, Timothy, to encourage him, embolden him, to instruct him and put him at ease. I've heard some people say that Paul was losing his faith in 2 Timothy, but in his letter, as you read it, you'll notice that he is full of faith at this point in his life. But because of his circumstances, he's distraught, he's heavy-hearted, and he's, being, he's feeling the weight of his own mortality. Lacking faith? <laughs> Absolutely not. When you read his opening words, you instantly notice that he is doing a lot of reflecting, both on his life and on the life of Timothy. He considers himself to be Timothy's spiritual father. As far as we know, Timothy's biological father was not a Christian. He was not a believer. But apparently, Paul got to know his grandmother, Timothy's grandmother, and his mother very well. In verse 5, he said, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Now, I used to teach Sunday school for middle school students, and it was an exciting and often challenging experience. One day, all of the faces changed from these adolescents that were moving up to high school to these kids that were barely in the fifth grade. But there I was teaching these children. They were less disciplined and less attentive of a group than was the past uh, class of kids. And I noticed, however, that the faith of the parents in this group and of the grandparents was perhaps the most transformative thing 
in their lives. The first day of class, I remember a mother approaching me with tears in her eyes as she begged me to take her son into my class. She'd had some problems before um, in other settings, uh, but she was trying to turn around the life of her family, get them going to church, and so she just desperately wanted her son to know Jesus. There's another boy who was brought to church by his grandmother, and neither his mother nor his father were church attenders or Christians, and so his grandmother really knew that he needed to have a relationship with Jesus, so she was going to take it upon herself to bring him to church. The faith of these women paid off. About seven years later, I had the opportunity to see these children again, and guess what? They are in church. In fact, that grandmother's children, her, her daughter, was in church as well. And what was the most incredible thing is that these boys were serving in the children's ministry and preparing to go off to college. So there is something to be said for believing parents and grandparents. And I learned when I was a freshman in college how blessed I was to be from a family of believers. I remember one time we were sitting uh, in our room and uh, as we were lifting up our prayer requests, everybody else in the room were asking for prayers for their unsaved parents. It goes to show you that you should not be discouraged if your families do not believe. Your family's faith heritage has to start somewhere, so why not with you? You can be the ones to invite your kids, grandkids, neighborhood kids, nieces, and nephews to church. You could be the one to pray over dinner at family gatherings. You could be the one to share about the blessings that God has given you. Deuteronomy 4.9 says, Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. And listen to this. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. We have a responsibility to teach our children and our grandchildren the ways of God. Paul acknowledged Timothy's faith heritage because he was proud of the man that he had become. He calls Timothy's faith sincere. At the end of verse 5, Paul says that he sees the faith of Timothy's grandmother and mother lives in him as well. Now, why would Paul say something like that? That's kind of a strange statement, but... Timothy and Paul went on many journeys together, many mission trips together. And as you read the letters that Paul has written, you will notice that some of the people that travel with Paul left him. And some of them even outright betrayed him. Not Timothy, though. He was faithful. He was loyal. He proved himself by staying at Paul's side even when things got tough. That was because of his spiritual upbringing. Now, everyone in the body of Christ can have spiritual children. These are people that you bring up in faith. And they don't even have to be children necessarily. They can just be people who are younger than you in, as far as your faith is concerned. Now, it's possible maybe they did not have Christian parents themselves, or maybe the faith of their parents was not enough for them. It has been documented that children are more likely to hold to their faith if they have if they know at least five adults who are godly examples in their lives. Mind you, this does not need to be sitting down with the Bible 
in your lap and coaching children how to be Christians, I know, for instance, of an elderly man who wanted to encourage a boy that he knew in his faith. So he invited him on hunting trips and then on fishing trips. And then he started inviting him to church. Build relationships through your giftings and your interests. I would say that the way that I raised my children encouraged their faith is probably not normal. Some would say it is outright wacky. <laughs> and yet, it has opened up doors to teach the gospel message to them. At the end of the day, the goal is to know your children well enough that you can help them when it comes to making the right decisions for their lives. That is what warmed Paul's heart about Timothy. Timothy knew Paul so well that he found it worthwhile to follow his example. Even though Paul was on death row and he had no children to carry on his name, Timothy would preserve his faith heritage by passing on the teachings Paul had shared with him. Now, 3 John, 3 John is a short letter that consists of only 14 verses. John was the last of the 12 apostles. In his old age, he saw the people of the church as his very own children. He writes in verse 4 of 3 John, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. May this be a joy and a blessing that you get to experience in your lifetime as well. I'd like to thank you for joining us today for the sermon. Uh, my name is Bill Sang, and if you'd like to join us at Faith Presbyterian Church, we meet at 10.30 in the morning on Sundays, so feel free to join us. Also, don't forget to like, share,